This is Coach Lee, and you're listening to The Door Report. At Vanderbilt, it's Tim Corbin in the Vandy Boys, Jerry Stackhouse on the hardwood, and Clark Lee on the gridiron. Nashville, it's time to sit back, relax, grab a cold one, and enjoy the show. The Music City is our state, and West End is where we rock. You're listening to The Door Report, the premier Vanderbilt podcast for fans who believe black and gold. Commodore Nation. Anchor down. No strings till the hank comes out. Make all the drunk girls scream and shout. We love it, we hate it. We're all just trying to make it in this crazy town. Welcome back into the door report, episode 230, presented by Corey Perkins of Parks Realty, not reality, as we had incorrectly spelled on the banner. During episode 229, today is August 9th, a lovely Wednesday evening here, 17 days away from kickoff against Hawaii, Trevor. And I'm going to make sure to do this at the beginning here. We are presented by Corey Perkins of Parks Realty. You can find more information on Corey at www.parksathome.com slash agent slash Corey dash Perkins forward slash his phone number is 615 615- Four five nine four zero four zero, or you can email him at capy25 at gmail.com. Trevor, we have a locked and loaded beefy episode 230 here on Where Wednesday. Is the meat? It's here. The beef is here. Oh. The old Wendy's. I wish I was wearing my I'm the beef shirt, but we have the defensive roster preview for the 2023 Vanderbilt Commodores. We also have a very important injury update for a key Commodore defensive lineman. And we'll get into some of the strengths and weaknesses of this defense, including a wide receiver changing positions to a cornerback during fall camp. You don't see that very often and maybe not a great sign for for at least one position on this defense. But Trevor, how are you feeling about this defensive preview? I don't think it's all going to be quite as positive as the offensive preview was. Well, first off, I want to note the amount of Miller lights that Will has on pod right now. <laughs> I was just looking into the camera and I just kept looking back and I was like, there's just, we haven't even started the cocktail break yet. He's, has the cocktail break started early? We're pushing for a sponsor. We need, we, we need do. a sponsor for the cocktail, TDR cocktail break. And I really want that to be Miller Lite. Is Miller Anheuser-Busch? Who are they? No, it's, it's not Anheuser-Busch. It's a different distributor. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right, well, if you are listening, whoever the sponsor is of Miller Lite, come Miller, sponsor the boys. I mean, anything I'll have locked and loaded and just be pounding them all episodes. We'll so, drink whatever. Yeah, we'll go ahead and put that out here early. We are looking for an additional sponsor for the TDR cocktail break, and that during football season is just going to continue to get better and better. But before we get into this roster preview, Trevor, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at The Door Report. Just at the door report, new handle on both Instagram and Twitter. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. We're going to be getting these po- these episodes posted every single time 
on YouTube now. Yes, sir. We just started with episode 229. So look for that. Subscribe for subscribe to our YouTube channel. Our podcast is available on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. And while you're at it, give our podcast five stars and a review on iTunes or Spotify. It's now time, Trevor, for breaking news. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right. Getting into it, Trevor. I know that everybody, there's been a lot of discussion about the Darren Agu injury. We'll have the we'll have an update on that. Also, Davion Walker, we teased it a little bit uh, before the break there, has transitioned from wide receiver to a cornerback. We will yeah. get to all of that as we go position by position on this roster breakdown. I don't think we want to hit on those storylines twice, but Trevor, where do you want to start? Because we have we have defense and special teams today, so we'll also be uh, touching on the kicker battle that seems to not be yielding very many fruitful results this fall camp. No, the reports on the kicker battle are honestly kind of depressing me. Um, do we want to start with special teams and then work our way to defense? Might as well. Yeah, let's start with special the small teams. Small of the group. Yep. So we'll start out. We'll start out on the positive side. We'll start out yes. with our boy, friend of the pod. Long snapper Wesley Schelling, absolute stud, all American, all American at the long snapper position, has a touchdown in his career statistics from last season. The boy, absolute stud, great long snapper. One of those positions you don't even think about it unless you don't have a good one. And Vanderbilt fans, you don't have to worry about long snapper this fall. Is Wesley Schelling? TDR's favorite player. If we had to pick a favorite player to represent TDRs at Wesley, absolutely. Yeah, I think Wesley's my guy. If if we've actually said this before, we've always joked about if Vanderbilt came out with NIL jerseys, who we would buy. And I'm I'm a big jersey guy. We had a whole discussion on the pod. Will not. Um, I think Wesley Schilling would get a clean sweep, maybe. Oh, I I would wear. I would I would, Wesley. I would rock a number forty-seven Wesley. Schilling oh, jersey. dude. Well, so also. We're gonna get into numbers later, numbers and number changes. What a great name! What a great number for a long snapper. Incredible Elite. long snapper number. Senior Wesley Schelling. No concerns there. One of the few positions no. today that there will not be a long discussion about concerns. Now let's go to punter. Another spot that seems to be pretty locked up in Matt Hayball, who yeah. was a very, very good punter last year. Expect more of the same this year. Very good at directional punting. And something that Vanderbilt has not always had is a solid punter. Definitely something yeah. that you you don't tend to appreciate enough while you have it. Then once it's gone, you really feel it. So exactly. I'm pretty confident in the long snapper punter duo here. I think, too, I think whenever you look at this roster, everybody likes to say, is this guy an NFL guy? Is this guy an NFL guy? Is this guy an NFL guy? Matt Abel is an NFL punter. And so he's going to be playing Sundays for a very, very long time. He's going to have an absolutely stellar career. Uh, like you said, with Wesley, another incredibly bright spot on the special teams. Nothing to complain about whenever it comes to uh, Matt Hayball. I don't I don't know if I complained about him all year last year. I don't know if he had a punt where I was like, oh, my God, that's terrible. I think every time he punted the ball, I thought, 
my God, what a weapon we have. So now that we have the positives out of the way for special teams, let's get negative. Here comes the negatives. Here comes kicker. Big leg Joe is gone. Joe Bullivis is gone. Didn't have an incredible final season as a Commodore, but he was solid. Uh-huh. He, w- he was better than anything that is currently on the roster, but I'll run through the names. There are currently five kickers uh, on the Vanderbilt roster. Uh, number 38, Will Ferris. Number 40, Mason Raw Miller, number 65, Jacob Lurie, number 88, Brock Taylor, and number 97, Jacob Borsilla. Pretty much based on what we know, right now it is a competition between Jacob Borsilla, who's a transfer from Kansas, actually has Division I kicking experience. Uh-huh. He's a senior. Uh, we'll get into his stats in a second. And then freshman Brock Taylor. Uh, Neither have had a great camper or a great spring. None of the reports seem to be that they're really finding their groove. But in my opinion, I would be very surprised if Jacob Bursilla, the Kansas transfer, doesn't win the job. He, His stats, which I'm just going to go ahead and get into last season and in his career at Kansas, he was 7 for 13 for on field goals. Not great with no. a long field goal made of 40. But... The reason that I think he wins the job, Trevor, is in his career at Kansas, he was 48 for 48 on extra points. And at, really? the, and at the end of the day, I know that this doesn't sound great, but just hit all your extra points and I'll at least be not about to jump off the edge of First Bank Stadium. So yeah. I would be really surprised this year with this offense, with the amount of talent that's on the offense, you can go and listen back to episode 229 where we break down that offensive roster. I would be really surprised if they trot out a true freshman kicker in Brock Taylor. Is Will Ferris still in the battle? That's a good Are, question. Sorry, I just almost knocked over yeah, our table for our listeners. Close. That could have been very bad. Very I don't, high quality setup here with a white folding table. I don't with a three dollar black tablecloth. I don't know my own strength. Um, but yeah, Will Ferris probably still in the battle. With that being said, if you were at the spring game or you watched the spring game, had a, a horrible is not being too harsh on the kid. It was really bad. Yeah, it was a really bad showing. I don't want to pull too many quotes from behind the Robbie paywall. Uh, mm-hmm. Go check out Robbie on 24-7 yeah, Sports. We like to plug him every time. Subscribe to 24-7 Sports. Support Vandy 24-7. Robbie produces incredible content. But in his description on his depth chart 2.0, Robbie says, time remains for this group to settle in, but there's no consistency outside of 30 yards right now. And that's pretty much what that's what we saw in the spring game. And every single report, whether it's from former friend of the pod, Billy Derrick or Robbie, whether you're reading on rivals on the board, anybody, it hasn't improved. And if the kicker is looking bad in practice without the crowd cheering and yelling and without the pressure, that doesn't tend to bode well once the lights come on. No. So I'm very concerned about the kicker position. I'll ask you this question, too. It's the same question that we posed to Robbie um, in regards to the kicker battle. Do you think it would it would be a, not necessarily a loss, but it would maybe reflect a little bit poorly on the coaching staff if the kid that you gave a scholarship to to kick does not win the battle, at least for um, place kicker for field goals? Are you talking about Brock? Taylor? Um, yeah, Brock Taylor. 
if he doesn't win it, but then again, you you probably have three more years with him. I mean, he probably actually red shirts. I don't think you bring in a graduate transfer that was a starter last year, even though we read off his stats as seven for 13 in Jacob Bursilla without the expectation that he's going to be the starter. Oh, really? That would be, or at least him having the idea that there will be a true competition that he believes he can win. Okay, yeah, I definitely understand you bring him in because of competition, because I don't think a competition between Ferris and Brock Taylor would have been much of a competition. Um, But yeah, I don't, but then again, Robbie, whenever he was on the pod, also suggested that it's very plausible that Vanderbilt has a different guy for kickoffs and different guy for field goals. Um, cause Brock Taylor is a very, very small lad. Um, and I don't know how I feel about him well, playing just, defense. Just to be fair, Bursilla is six foot two, 162 pounds. Oh, so he ain't he, that much he's, bigger. Yeah, he's not exactly a beefy boy, but we're, we're used to looking at big leg Joe. Yeah. He looks more like a, uh, linebacker or safety than a kicker, but. Or I Carrie do... Spear that only feared God. <laughs> Carrie Spear did not fear man. Only I, God. I miss Carrie Spear badly. But I do want to end this kicker discussion and special teams discussion on a little bit of a positive note because I don't think this will be overall an extremely positively slanted preview. Mm-hmm. Could be wrong. But I want to bring positivity as much into this as possible. Last year, as much as we like Joe Bullivis on this podcast, Joe Bullivis was 7 for 12 on field goals last season. He wasn't fantastic. He had the worst he had the worst year of his career. We know the struggles on kickoffs, kicking the ball out of bounds. So as much as there is a negative side to this kicking competition, it's not like the kicking game was lights out last season. Now all that said, Joe Bullivis never missed an extra point. Yeah. He was 15 of 15 in 2021 and in 2022 he's 35 of 35. So that's what I'm mainly concerned about. I know that it's the equivalent of like a 15-yard field goal. That momentum killing for a team right on the edge like Vanderbilt is what can kill them. So mm-hmm. I'd be surprised if Priscilla, the Kansas transfer, doesn't win the job. But like you said, they did give a scholarship to Brock Taylor. So there is likely expectation for him to come in and immediately make an impact. But that's enough on the special teams. Time to get to this defensive preview. Where do you want to start? Do you want to start at corner? Or do you want to start no, on the deal? I don't want to start at corner. Let's start. Let's start, start up. Let's start up front, and then we'll start positive, and then as we move backwards, we'll be positive, positive, and then we'll probably get really negative. Okay, so I will do the same thing that I did during the offensive preview, and I'm going to read through all the guys in numerical order at each position group, and then we'll kind of break down the key names to watch and and who's probably going to be winning those jobs at each position. But we'll start out with defensive line. Uh, we'll start out with the defensive tackles, then we'll go to defensive ends. But, wow, this is very oddly broken out, but I'll try my best here. All right, how do you pronounce the name that you were giving me the breakdown on? Lanan Watara? That was not Yil- right. Yilanan Wataha. Yilanan Wataha. Yes, but a lot of the coaching staff refers to him as Isa, so... Isa Wataha is much easier to pronounce. We've been butchering this poor kid's name ever since he became a Vanderbilt Commodore. So, so it's it's about time that we that we ask somebody, hey, how do you pronounce this dude's name? So we are very sorry for never not doing this soon. Very, very sorry. Isa Wataha, sophomore, physical freak from Germany, six foot seven, three oh five. 
Then you have number nine, Davion Davis, number 31, Michael Spencer, number 63, Jacob Katana, number 90, Ted Gregor, number 91, Christian James, number 94, Bradley Mann, number 96, Braden Bapst, number 98, Demarion Thomas, and number 99, Devin Lee. So that runs through all of the guys. Trevor, who are the names to watch on this on these defensive tackles that I just laid out? I was going to say defensive linemen, but we'll get to defensive ends next. Yeah, I think one that pops out to me, and I don't. It's not necessarily recency bias, but he's just been on the team the longest. Is somebody like Davion Davis, who last year was a huge loss on that on that interior defensive line. Um, I, I we were actually talking about this in our free time. We don't feel like. We talked about that loss enough, to be quite frank. That was a huge loss for Vanderbilt. Um, the season before, he was arguably the best defender on the team. Um, he was a menace in the interior of that defensive line. Uh, and you're going to get him back this year. He's going to be fully healthy. Does he maybe start? I don't know. Does it matter? Probably not. Just having a guy like him in the rotation, whether he starts or he's second string, is huge for Vanderbilt because whenever he was healthy, Dude was a stud, and so now you finally get him back. Um, someone else I also really like, Nate Clifton. I thought Nate Clifton had a wonderful, wonderful end of the season last year. Uh, there's a lot of reports coming out of camp that he looks absolutely great. Uh, Christian James, another guy who also struggled with injuries, uh, looks like a freak. Somebody else that I'm really, really excited about. I think the interior defensive line is going to be much improved. Now, the guy that I would like to see that we didn't really get a to watch a ton last year is Isa Isa Wataha, the German, the German guy, the German guy, the German kid. The German the, I'm so sorry, Isa. I'm just this is off the rails. Um, in practice, he looks like a freak. Um, nobody, really, nobody can stop him, especially last year. And so he's one of those guys that Vanderbilt traditionally has never had, just from a physical aspect. So he's somebody that I would really, really like to see get going. I very much messed up. I wanted to read through the Vanderbilt defensive stats from last year before we started getting into the actual roster here. Hey, just go so, for it. Great breakdown on that defensive line. I'm going to shift this just a little bit, and I'm going to give a recap of what, we, what we've seen the last couple years out of this Vanderbilt defense. Okay. Oh, also, we forgot to, we forgot to say, number one Vanderbilt podcast by Big Game Boomer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> number one Vanderbilt podcast. All right. We got to reset here. All right. <laughs> All right, we'll get into this. Number one Vanderbilt podcast, according to Big Game Boomer. Number one Vanderbilt football podcast. Let me let me be precise there. The haters are inconsolable. The haters and losers, of which there are many, are, are of weeping. Which, of which there are many, are crying tears deeply into the night. So shout out Big Game Boomer. Might be at the tailgate in lot two. I don't Friend know. Friend of the pod. Yeah, he, he, We're he working made, on he it. He made a poll. If you don't show up Big Game Boomer, then screw We're you, We're working dude. on it. But hey, shout out to all of our listeners and fans. You are the guys who make this pod happen. TDR is by the people, for the people. There would be no TDR if it were not for you guys. So we absolutely love you guys. Absolutely. And Dave Portnoy, uh, I'm sure you're listening to this. <laughs> I know you just reacquired the rights to Barstool Sports. We would love to be a part of Barstool Sports. So just uh, throwing that out into the ether. <laughs> Get TDR on Barstool, baby. Barstool, Barstool Sports. Sports. We will be there at 7 a.m. Get us a direct flight to New York. I promise you won't have a problem no. getting us in the office on time. And we will be there from 7 a.m. to 7 a.m. the next day. 24 hours. I'll sleep in that Barstool office, whether it's Chicago or New York. But now back to 
the Vanderbilt defensive roster preview. So I meant to get to these stats before we got started so I could reference back to them. Eh, who cares? But <laughs> the offense improved dramatically from 2021 to 2022. They went from scoring about 15 points a game in 2021 to scoring close to 25 points a game in 2022. So a lot of the offensive breakdown we did in episode 229 was focused on the fact of if this offense can continue to improve at the rate that they improve from year one to year two under Clark Lee, this offense could be something special, could truly be like middle of the pack SEC offense first being completely at the bottom. The defense did not make the same jump that the offense did last year. They basically stagnated. There are 131 FBS football teams in 2022. In pass defense, Vanderbilt ranked number 128 in 2022, giving up 290.5 yards per game. Their rush defense ranked number 96 in the country, giving up 171 yards per game, 5.2 yards per carry. Uh, they were number 80 in penalty yardage, averaging 55 yards of defensive penalties per game. They, in 2021, they were number 128 out of 130 teams that were FBS in the country in 2021 in sacks per game. In 2022, they were number 115 in sacks per game, only one and a half sacks per game in 2022. Gross. Granted, that is improved from 0.8 sacks per game in 2021, but still horrible, bad, and basically the worst pass rush in all of Power 5. Yes. And then in points per game, they Vander, the Vanderbilt Commodores defense actually gave up more points per game in 2022 than they did in 2021. This Vanderbilt Commodores defense gave up 36 points per game in 2022, giving up 35.8 points per game in 2021, ranking near the bottom of all of FBS football at number 125 last season. So, Trevor, if this defense improves by 20%, 30%, it's still horrible. Yes. It, yeah, last year was... Was the, I guess the defense, I guess anecdotally in my head, what I'm getting at is it felt like the defense did improve. Yes, it did. It felt like they it were felt much like better. they were better, but the stats don't play that out. They exactly. were still probably one of, if not the worst power five defense in the country, yeah. possibly both last season and the year before. And we, we actually had this conversation before we hopped on pod. Um, and I want to, I want to ask it to you while we're on pod. Do you think the schedule last year maybe played to how bad maybe was uh, maybe inflated those numbers a little bit because Vanderbilt, as we were talking earlier, you played against a dark horse, dark horse Heisman candidate in Sam Hartman. You played against Bryce Young. You played against here, here Anthony go. Richardson. So I was just I have all these names written down because of exactly what we talked about before this podcast began so exactly what you're hitting at i was going to make a little bit of an excuse for this vanderbilt defense in 2022 just reading off the biggest name quarterbacks that they played in order last year sam hartman at wake forest would have been an nfl draft pick transferred to notre dame instead then you had bryce young first pick of the nfl draft to the carolina panthers uh -huh. then you had stetson bennett Georgia quarterback, fourth-round pick, number 128 overall. Spencer Rattler for South Carolina. He's going to be a first- or second-round pick. Yep. 
he he's going to have a huge year this year. He had will, a great bounce back year last year. And then Will Levis, Kentucky, first pick of the second round to the local team here, the Tennessee Titans. Great pick. Uh, Anthony Richardson, the number four overall pick to the Indianapolis Colts. Mm-hmm. And then you face Joe Milton, who, according to Tennessee fans, is a Heisman contender this Jesus year. Christ. So just listing off those quarterbacks, that doesn't even get into Jackson Dart for Ole Miss. Oh, these, these are just top-of-the-line quarterbacks mm-hmm. on this on this schedule. So, yeah, to answer that question in a really long-winded way, yes. I mean, the offenses that this Vanderbilt defense faced last year probably did make those defensive stats that didn't improve a little bit skewed compared to who this defense faced in 2021. Yeah, and I don't even think that's a long-winded answer. I think going through and just laying out those names because – I think we forget who Vanderbilt played. Like Vanderbilt played elite quarterback talent. Vanderbilt had a really tough schedule last year. Um, and the schedule is a lot more favorable this year. Could that help the defense? Maybe. Um, I think we both agree that Vanderbilt has a little bit more depth and a and more uh I don't want to say more impressive players, but I guess yeah, more impressive players. You got some dogs at some key positions for Vanderbilt on defense this year. So does that help? Yes. Does maybe a lighter schedule help? Yes, hopefully. All that's easy to say uh a little over two weeks before the start of the season, though. So the quarterback talent they faced last year, they Vanderbilt's just simply not going to face this year. They're not going no. to face three, four first, early, second round NFL quarterbacks. They they are just not. So even though we'll get to it, this secondary is very thin, is going to have issues. Just the schedule plays out in a way that is probably going to improve those stats. And the defensive line, I know we'll get to defensive ends in a second, but on the interior, mm-hmm. just kind of rehashing what you already broke down, getting Davion Davis back, I – I know that I've brought it up a few times. I don't understand the lack of buzz around that. I know he's coming off an ACL injury. I I know he's an experienced guy, and and he probably can't play down in, down out, uh, just to keep him healthy throughout the whole season. But Davion Davis in 2021, I don't even know if it's arguable, was the best player on that defense. It's not. He was. He was a force, and that injury got overshadowed a little bit by the Miles Capers injury last season during camp, but having Davion Davis back healthy and all the reports are he looks fantastic so far is just another guy that most years he would be the main talk of this defense Vanderbilt defensive line. But because of the depth that they have in, I'm going to butcher the name again, Watara, Iso Watara, Watara, Wataha, Wataha. Yep. Wataha. I'm so sorry. Number five, uh, because of the depth that they have there, He's not even really being discussed that much. Yeah. And, and to it's me, that's, shame. that's one of the biggest storylines of this season is you have your dude back yep. at the center of that defensive line. And now it's being talked about. He may not even start mm-hmm. because of the talent level and just physical freaks that they have there. Yeah. And I think, too, just having someone who is, I mean, it, correct me if I'm wrong. He was voted a captain. That's mm-hmm. been publicized, right? Publicized. I, I always I always forget because I know that they're going to have a second round of captains. I believe he was in that initial first round with Ethan Barr and Jalen Mahoney. I could, I, I think you're somebody right. fact check us if we're wrong, but I'm pretty positive. That's right. Fantastic. If we could have a producer and we could just be like, yes. Hey, 
check that real quick. Yeah, we're just we we're just riding hot right now. Yeah. But have someone back like that who knows the defense, who is fully healthy, and just someone like that who's a captain of that interior line, I think is huge for Vanderbilt. Because up front, their main job is they're going to be to stop the run, they're going to plug the gaps, and they're going to their job is to let those backers behind them play really free. And two, if you can create pressure through the interior with guys like Devin Lee, with guys like Davion Davis, with guys like Wataha, um, that's huge. Interior pressure is, it's not their first job. Their first job is to, is to stop the run. But man, if you can get pressure on quarterbacks, only bringing those, only bringing your defensive line, if you can get sacks, only bringing your defensive line, that's huge. And I don't want to say that the defense didn't improve at all. The the run defense from 2021 to 2022 did improve slightly. Uh-huh. They gave up 5.6 yards per carry in 2021 versus 5.2 yards per carry in 2022. They also gave up 193 yards per game in 2021 versus 170 yards per game in 2022. So I think that the biggest jump to be expected can be from the run defense. And another spot that... Vanderbilt fans should expect improvement is pass rush. Thank God. And a lot of that is going to hinge on the defensive ends on this roster. And one in particular who had an injury scare, Darren Agu. Thankfully, thankfully, as me and Trevor were both on suicide watch. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. <laughs> it was, but when it was trigger warning. News, it was bad in me here. Me and Trevor in the apartment were just walking back and forth the halls of this 1,000 square foot apartment, just pacing. <laughs> just ready to end it all the season was over before it began there were a lot of choice words said oh, yesterday was... around 12 o'clock it was re- the vibes in this apartment i'm not gonna give out our address because i don't want somebody <laughs> to john lennon us but it was really bad in here we we were if then, the... then again we were we're prone to freaking out more um whenever it's fresh and probably overreacting but i was saying the season was over if the I, mics, was, I was bad if the mics were hot TDR may have been canceled based on the things we were saying, but we would have had been, we would have been locked in a padded cell. But to give Vanderbilt fans a recap, Darren Agu was carted off the field, I believe, yesterday. Today's yes. August 9th. Yesterday's August 8th. When this releases, it'll be two days ago. But he was carted off the field. Turns out to be just a dislocated elbow. No additional damage after X-rays and MRIs. Mm-hmm. It was a pre-existing injury. He's probably going to come out, come back out in a brace. Uh, but it's a lot more precautionary and just him being able to get comfortable at the swelling go down. And he seemed to avoid any injury that's going to put him out and make him miss any time. And he should be yes. back ready to rock. That would have one versus Hawaii. Didn't mean to cut you off. That would have been a huge loss for Vanderbilt. But I'm going to run through the defensive ends real quick because there are a couple other guys besides Darren Agu yeah. that we want to get to. Uh, it's less than the interior defensive lineman, but number 11, Darren Agu, sophomore, number 15, Nate Clifton, graduate senior, number 95, Linus Zunk. Those are all of the defensive linemen or defensive ends that are currently listed on the roster. Most of them are listed on those three techniques. Yeah. And Um, we'll, we'll go ahead and preface that might sound very thin, but we will get to the star position. And so that'll, that's basically they're on the right tackle. Yeah, um, the star position is just another defensive end, outside yeah. linebacker, hybrid position. So I'll, I'll go ahead and lump those in as well, actually, because... Or do you want to save those to the backers? Yeah, we'll save we'll them save to the, the backers. backers. We'll save them for the backers. But Darren Agu and, and Clifton at those defensive end spots, 
should generate more than one and a half sacks per game. Yeah. Nate Clifton had a great year last year towards the end of the season. Nate Clifton was a freak in some games. He was very, very good. So it was awesome to see him get hot. Darren Agu, I believe he only had two sacks last year, but he was young. Not undersized, but he's definitely put on a little bit, not a little bit more muscle. He has put on more muscle. He's definitely bulked up a little bit based on the weight that Vanderbilt has released. But to have rotational guys like um, like Darren Agu, who's probably going to start, then you have Nate Clifton back there who is, don't sleep on him. Nate Clifton is going to get some quarterback. And I'm judging year. all of this also when I'm reading off defensive end, defensive lineman based on the Vanderbilt VU Commodores football roster, VU mm-hmm. Commodores.com football roster. Uh, like Bradley Mann, I think is going to play some defensive end. I agree. I think he's going to yeah. be rotationally. In the I want to talk about. End. Him I think too. Clifton is going to play some interior defensive line. He's kind of a bigger body. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a little bit different sized than a guy like Darren Agu that's six foot six, two forty, mm-hmm. versus a guy like Nate Clifton that's six five, two eighty. So just a little bit different build, a little bit different type of guy. So it's interesting to see how they have, or or VUCommodores.com has the official roster listed out versus really kind of getting down into the nitty-gritty of the depth chart where these guys will actually be playing. What do they have Bradley Mann's weight at? He's a big boy now. They've got Bradley Mann at 6'6", 281. <laughs> if you haven't seen photos of him on Instagram, he looks massive. He looks like a father. He looks like a 30-year-old father of three who is just an absolute gym rat. Dude is massive. And just keep in mind, Watara, getting Wataha, Wataha getting, there Wataha, we go. Getting Up back top. to him. There we go. There we go. Six foot seven, 305. You want to talk about a freak. And he's a lean 305. 305. And he's also a sophomore. Yeah. So I just, I want to throw that out there because a lot of these defensive and defensive line, the distinction between who's playing where, these guys will rotate in and out of multiple positions on the defensive line. But the key names to watch, tell me if I'm missing anybody here Darren Agu, Nate Clifton, Davion Davis. Watara, Wataha, Wataha. I'm going to keep butchering that. Just say Isa. Christian James, once he returns from injury, Bradley Mann, Braden Babst. And then maybe, I kind of doubt it. Well, actually, you'll see Devin Lee mixed into that rotation. Devin Lee might start. Yep. Yep. At the nose tackle, not three tech. No, he would be three tech. Yeah, he would be three tech. You'd have Clifton probably at nose tackle. Um, So. So Devin Lee to his left, Devin I believe. Devin Lee might be nose, and three tech might be Nate Clifton, Davion Davis rotating in. Okay, know, we'll yeah. have to see. All this is just us guessing. We don't get to go to fall camp. No, so all of this is us reading and then just taking our best guess at who at who we think is going to make an impact. So take it with a grain of salt, but I think we're going to be pretty accurate as we run through. Bradley Mann is somebody who really interests me, not because he's put on a ton of weight, but because he finally seems healthy. Um, Last year, was it a knee injury last year? I think it was. Once again, somebody fact check me. We don't have a producer on the show whispering in our ears. I think it was a knee injury. I think so. But he's someone who I'm, I'm really interested in. He's the sort of guy that, along with Agu, just I would like to just see him line up on that edge, line up on that left tackle, and then just ears pinned back, hair on fire, just let him get after somebody. He he has the body of a really, really good pass rusher. Now getting in to the hybrid position, defensive end, outside linebacker, kind of hybrid, the star position in the Clarkley defense. You have, I'll just run through them again, Stanford transfer Anus to Cosmo. 
Miles Capers, BJ Diakite, Jalen Ruth, Daniel Gall, Alex Brown, and Evan Herman. The two main names to watch here are DeCosmo and Miles Capers. Yes, sir. Miles Capers returning from the injury. He had a great camp going into last season. Went down with an injury because, of course, he did. Just curse of being a Commodore fan. And then you have the transfer in from Stanford, former four-star, former top 30 uh, linebacker in the country, according to ESPN and DeCosmo. And those two guys are going to be battling it out for that starting position at the star. Who do you see winning out in that competition, Trevor? Oh, God. That's a great question. Um, Jesus. I'm going to say DeCosmo. Why I'm saying him, I don't know. I'm not. I actually, it could be Capers. It could be him. I have no idea. The thing that interests me about Capers, and I, and I can't really speak on DeCosmo that much because, as we said, Stanford guy, we don't really know a whole lot about him. I tell you what, in the, in the black and gold game, he looked like a goon out there. He looked really good. Great body on him. Once again, whenever them big boys wear small numbers, you know they got that dog in them. Number zero. Yeah. Big boy, little number equals dog. Um, He's somebody that really interests me. I'm just glad Miles Capers is back. If you then again, like Will said, we don't have media credentials, which is a shame. I think we would be absolutely awesome media members. Um, There's no way in hell they would allow us in the press box, though, um, because we would cheer. And apparently cheering in a press box is incredibly frowned upon. Um, So they would not allow us. But Rules are meant to be broken. Um, you will find us in section F. Will you are in section A? Section A, dude. So we're just Oreo sandwiching first. The <laughs> wheels on one side, I'm on the other. The people in the middle, you better bring the noise because you know the edges are going to be absolutely bonking out there. But Miles Capers, I'm just, I'm so glad he's back. All reports are saying his knee, a hundred percent. He's a hundred percent healthy. If you weren't um, sort of tapped into fall camp last year. Miles Capers was the best guy on defense last year. It, they in, in fall camp, they said he looked like a freak. He is a specimen. He's somebody that I'm really excited to to finally see in action. We saw him a little bit in 2021, but I don't it, it wasn't much. Um now I'm really interested to see him in that role. And I don't want to go back to Agu, but Agu last year played in that anchor position. I'm sorry, anchor star. It's anchor. 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 I always get them confused. Anchor. No, star. Star. Sorry. I always get them confused. Star is like the defensive end, yep. linebacker hybrid. Uh, CJ Taylor plays the star. The anchor. The anchor. Jesus Which Christ. I'm my, hybrid. I'm so sorry, guys. I'm got a Dunkin' Donut and a Zen in right now, and I'm, my brain is kind of fried. But Agu was at that last year, so he couldn't really pin his ears back and go after the quarterback every single time. Had to drop into coverage a lot. This year, straight-up pass rusher. His only job is to go after the quarterback. That really interests me. But Miles Capers is is really interesting. I think he's going to be very, very fun to watch. The Cosmo, I can't say a lot about him because I don't I don't know a ton about him. His, his stats don't jump off the table from whenever he was at Stanford. But then again, sometimes guys just needed a new a new scenery, a new place to sort of grow and blossom. And from what the coaching staff says, they really, really like him. He seems to be getting a lot of buzz in DeCosmo as the guy that's going to play that star position. He played a lot of traditional defensive end at Stanford. Stats didn't jump off, jump off the page, as you mentioned. But a former four-star, we'll see how that transition goes. See, we, we'll see if he has the coverage ability. Uh, at that star position that it does require. But 
getting into probably the strength of this defense, and that's the linebacker position. Yep. For the first time in a while, the Vanderbilt Commodores are not thin at linebacker by any stretch of the imagination running through this list on this roster. Langston Patterson, sophomore. Kane Patterson, senior. Prince Colley, junior. Bryce Cowan, sophomore. Nicholas Rinaldi, sophomore. Ethan Barr, senior. Arrington Truesdale, junior. Brian Longwell, well, freshman. Carson Castile, junior. The main names to watch there, Kane Patterson, Prince Colley, Ethan Barr. Yep. Those dudes are dogs. Yeah. And right there, we all remember, just to recap, Prince Colley, transfer from Notre Dame, former four-star, Clark recruited him, I believe, to Notre Dame, came with Clark, now to Vanderbilt. You also have Kane Patterson, former Clemson linebacker, came to Vanderbilt to play with his brother Langston, and then Ethan Barr, who we know, experienced captain, senior, went to SEC media days. This linebacking core is the make or break for this defense. It's it's kind of where everything rides, even though the main star on this defense playing the anchor position uh, in CJ Taylor is not in this crew. Yeah, I and into going back to not being thin, I would say Vanderbilt wasn't thin last year at linebacker. That was probably the strength on defense. But whenever you lose a guy like Anthony Orgy, who is going to be in the uh, Vanderbilt Hall of Famer one day, and you lose someone like that, and you actually don't take a step back. Maybe you take a little bit of a step forward. I don't know. That says a lot about this linebacker group. That says a lot about uh, Coach Lazinski. Uh, this is a group that really, really excites me. I'm, of course, we know we're getting an Ethan Barr. Um, Kane Patterson, seeing him in, in maybe a little bit of a larger role, he he really excites me as well. He's a fun player to watch. He's a heady player. He's one of those guys that he's not going to make dumb mistakes. He's very, very smart in the defensive end. Made a ton of huge plays last year. I thought, honestly, and then again, we're just we're just fans. We don't know a, a ton about the scheme or anything like that. We're not idiots. Like we know, we we know how the defense runs. But I thought Kane Patterson should have been on the field way more than he was last year. Probably a little bit logged up behind Ethan Barr and and Anthony Orgy, but he's somebody that I am very, very excited to watch this year. And, of course, we will get in to our sweet, sweet Prince, Prince Colley. Prince Colley's going to be interesting. He's kind of an X factor at that linebacker position because I think he can play the Mike and the Will position there. So kind of a jack of all trades wherever needed. Freak athlete. We know Ethan Barr's limitations. Great guy. Not afraid of contact. Not afraid to stick his nose into the line of scrimmage. But limited in his ability to cover side to side and his ability in pass coverage, his ability to cover the field sideline to sideline. I would say that's probably Ethan Barr's weakness. It's not, not Prince Collie's. It's weakness. not probably his weakness It's absolutely his weakness. I love Ethan Barr, but last year he was a liability in pass coverage. Great. Whenever it comes to trying to get an, uh, a nose on the ball, whenever it comes to pass rushing, going after the running back quarterback, but in coverage, it, it left a lot to be desired. A lot of to be left desired. And we'll see how much Langston Patterson plays in as well. He was a big recruit coming in, sophomore now. Uh, he should get his kind of first rotational snaps in, in between both positions as well. Now on to the anchor position, the linebacker safety combo position. And we know who's locked up this starting spot, Trevor. Yep. 
probably the star on the defensive side of the ball. Not probably, definitely the star Mm -hmm. on the defensive side of the ball in C.J. Taylor. The one guy, I would say, that this defense cannot lose to injury. Legitimate superstar potential on the defensive side of the ball. So I'm going to run through the guys that are listed officially in that anchor position on the depth chart. You got C.J. Taylor, Jeffrey Ugo. I'm not even going to pronounce the rest of that. Dominique Rizak, Ethan Crisp, Mount Juliet, Tennessee, represent uh, Dante <laughs> Kelly and Ty Bartholomew. But the main name you need to pay attention to is C.J. Taylor. He's going Absolutely. to be out on the field 95% of defensive snaps, if not more. He is the guy that is the key. He's the straw that stirs the drink. This defense is going to be weighted. The success of this defense is going to depend on C.J. Taylor taking another step forward in his junior season. If C.J. Taylor can take another step forward, then he's, well, I'm going to hold that statement to myself. But if he can take another step forward, then I don't even know what he would look like because if he's just the same player he was last year, he's still a star on the defense. But if he can take a step forward, I mean, good Lord, what a season this guy's going to have. We almost injured him during, yes. uh, during the base. No, we we didn't, Scott. So we, we, let, let's go through the story again because I feel like the first time it happened, we did not talk about it enough. Um, so Scott, uh, who helps run our social media for TDR, absolutely wonderful guy, Scott Derrick, um, he almost killed C.J. Taylor at uh, the regional game. So <laughs> what happened was we're just having fun. We're tailgating for the Vandy boys before they inevitably broke our heart. Um, and we see CJ Taylor across the street and will uh, S- uh, Scott almost killed him. We were going to be on ESPN. Scott called him over CJ waved and, and we waved him over and CJ was walking across the street. There was a big gray Greyhound bus in the middle lane with its hazards on and a BMW SUV yep. just came flying up and CJ was just walking out from behind the Greyhound bus, and that SUV stopped inches away from breaking both of CJ Taylor's legs. So and hip. Yeah, we almost it was bad. Yeah, we almost single handedly Scott Scott <laughs> almost single handedly ruined the Vanderbilt Commodores defense. It was bad. CJ I think I peed my pants a little bit. I'm not gonna lie. I had a little bit of a trickle. My heart stopped in my chest, and there was a little bit of trickle down my leg. There, there's, there was tricklage for sure. There's not a doubt in my mind. There was a little trickle. But, but going and two, I sort of want to lump CJ into the linebacker group. I know he's technically not a linebacker, but I'm gonna sort of lump him in a linebacker group with you have CJ Taylor, Ethan Barr, and Kane Patterson. Would I like to probably see a linebacker groups of C.J. Taylor, Kane Patterson, Prince Colley? Yes, but I think we have to remember that Prince Colley just got on campus like in June. He's also had some injury. Issues. Also had some injury issues. Nothing to worry about, though. Just getting a little banged up. He'll be fine. He'll probably, not probably, he will be playing against Hawaii Week Zero. But a guy who probably still needs to learn the playbook a little bit. But I'm not sure how much he needs to learn given uh, he's coming from a Lazinski clark Lee previous tenure. Maybe knows the base already pretty well. Um, I'm not sure how much Marcus Freeman changed it whenever he took over. Um, obviously saw limited action with Marcus Freeman at Notre Dame, but he's somebody that really interests me. 
is you don't really have a ton of his tape from Notre Dame. All he really did was he played a lot of special teams periodically, played on defense. He's he I agree that he's an X factor, but part of me also doesn't maybe doesn't agree that he's an X factor because I don't know if you know what you have with him necessarily. Do you know what I mean? I think more of an X factor, not that there's an expectation that he has to be good. Okay. For this defense to be good. I think CJ Taylor has to be good. I think that a guy like Darren Agu has to be good this year for this defense to be good. Okay. I think Prince Kali being good and being an actual factor on this defense versus a guy you just never hear from again can be the difference in this defense really taking okay. a big step forward. So I think maybe a little bit different type of X factor uh, than some that. of these other positions. But now to get into the secondary. I want to talk about CJ Taylor just okay, a, little CJ Taylor a little bit more. Where would you... When was the last time Vanderbilt had a guy on defense? And before we get to the secondary, I sort of want to talk about the front. Technically, the front six, but I'm just going to group it as the front seven, lumping CJ in there. I don't even remember what. Oh, I do now. CJ Taylor, when was the last sort of freak athlete like that that Vanderbilt had on defense that you can remember? It's been a long time. Uh, a very outside, long I mean, time. they've had some linebackers in Orgy, obviously. Yeah, you go back to Marv. Yeah, Marv. But at the secondary position, Vanderbilt's never really... They've had some solid safeties. I'm not trying to discount guys like Kenny Ladler and Javon Marshall and, yeah. and different solid safeties on the defensive side. I don't think Vanderbilt's... You'd have to go back to a guy which plays very differently than C.J. Taylor, but a guy like D.J. Moore... Almost, you'd have to go way back to find a sort guy of just that, that safety style. position that can truly be a star on the defensive side of the ball. That's not a linebacker. Yeah, um, that it's been a long time. I'm probably missing somebody. What a and I tell you what, man, what a fine. Yeah, <laughs> we we hate on Derek Mason a lot. He was a Derek Mason signee, but what a sign by Derek. But really, shout out to Brent Carden. If it wasn't for Brent Carden bringing C.J. Taylor over, then. I mean, Vanderbilt would have a huge hole at that position. So, shout out to him, CJ Taylor. We absolutely love him. Balls tried to steal him from us this year, those dirt bags. But CJ also, dog. dog. Absolute yes. dog. Just one of those guys that whenever you, and I think, I, I think too, Vanderbilt has a lot of those guys this year that have an edge to them. Mean players, that guys who, if you were in a bar fight, you'd want them by your side. There's something. There's something about Keyshawn Vaughn had it. Keyshawn Vaughn had that. It dog. was a different type when they step on the field that it doesn't matter what uniform they're wearing. You believe and they believe in their heart of hearts that they're better than the players in the other uniform. Yeah. And I just don't think that Vanderbilt has had a lot of that edge, a lot of that cockiness, whatever you want to call it, that you need. Yeah. That you see in NFL level athletes and players on other SEC teams. And That's I think Vanderbilt point. Vanderbilt has a few of them this year, CJ Taylor being the main one. If he just has that kind of like he has that for lack of a better term, that fuck you energy. Yeah. That's what he has. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to see seeing him take another step forward because there's almost no doubt in my mind that he's going to be a dominant force. Now I don't want to now I'll ask you another question. I don't want to dive in it too much, but I do want to get your your sort of instant take because we had somebody ask this on Twitter, a sort of similar question. This front six, front seven that Vanderbilt has, 
very, very talented. I don't think there's there's any question about it. Do you have some unproven depth uh, sort of on the back end? Yeah, absolutely. But at le- but thank God he at least got depth this year. You know what I'm saying? Where does this Vanderbilt front, defensive front, rank in recent years for you? They've got to do something first. Okay, that's I, fair. I listed off the stats from 2022 and, uh, and quite a few from 2021 so far. Clark Lee came in as a defensive head coach, former defensive coordinator at Notre Dame. And so far, his defenses have been horrendous, absolutely horrendous, Mm -hmm. like worst defense in all of Power 5 football. So I have high hopes that they can improve dramatically this year, but even a dramatic improvement getting 20, 30 percent better compared to every other FBS team, you're still bottom 40 percent of defenses. So. I don't want to overhype that this defense has a lot of improving to do, even to yeah. get back to the point of a Derek Mason, as much as we hate on him type defense. I, I think the team with Zach Cunningham and those guys, I mean, this team has to go out and prove it. Yeah. So that I know that's not a very positive answer, but this, this front six front seven, let's also, say on paper, on paper, I mean, even on paper, they lost their leading tackler from last season, the only mm-hmm. guy with over 60 tackles on the season, in Anthony Orgy, who had 108 total tackles last season, seven and a half tackles for loss, two sacks. You lost him. C.J. Taylor was the second leading tackler on this team with 59 total tackles. So that's a huge amount of defensive production mm-hmm. that you are just assuming you're going to replace with the talent that you have at linebacker, but we've never seen it. Yeah, that's a fair point. This linebacking core has a lot of talent. We've never seen it. Kane Patterson had 39 tackles last year. Ethan Barr had 42 tackles last year. We've got to see a lot more production out of those two guys before I'm going to start saying that this is one of the best front six or front sevens that we've seen in Vanderbilt recent history. I'll say this, and and I'll do a little bit of course correction. Maybe one of the deeper fronts we've had maybe that's that's maybe where my head is at a little bit more maybe one of the deep definitely way more depth than last year this is where the defensive roster preview gets a little hazier than the offensive preview is i could see this defense legitimately being like reminiscent of a 2017 2018 vanderbilt defense uh, of you know legitimately a top 40 defense in the country at least against the run and in pass rush or i could see this defense being bottom 20 Mm -hmm. in in every single statistical category because we've never seen it we're basing all of this on potential and what the reports are in practice and what everything we've been hearing with guys getting healthy one injury can change all of that but we've got to get into the secondary Mm -hmm. i know we do but before we get into the more negative portion of this podcast you know what we have to do. The TDR cocktail break, baby. Start the music, Will. Grab, grab yourself a cold one, and we'll be right back. Click. And we're back, Trevor. I hope you could hear that. They definitely can hear that. That nah, was beautiful. All right. Now it's time to get into a couple positions. Well, we'll get into safety first. A little more positive read off the safeties here before we get into it <laughs> number two Dericky Wright senior rock number seven Marlon Sewell junior number 21 Savion Riley sophomore number 27 John House the fourth junior number 35 Payne Daniel freshman number 38 Jalen Gilbert 
freshman, number 41, Steven Senianoli. Uh, I'm going to butcher that. Sophomore. And then also Jalen Mahoney, listed as a defensive back, but likely going to be playing safety uh, this season. So the names to watch there are going to be Jalen Mahoney. Yes. Very, very solid contributor. Going to be playing some nickel cornerback. Going to be playing quite a bit of safety. And then Dericky Wright. Uh, with the number changed to number two, he's going to have to improve dramatically this season in pass coverage. Six foot four, 217, not a traditional safety size, mm-hmm. not great in the speed category, but safety, believe it or not, in my opinion, is the strength of this secondary. Well, I mean, it doesn't have to be that good to be the strength of this secondary to be quite honest because uh as we'll get into it uh defensive back cornerback is very very bad so um but yeah Jalen Mahoney you finally got him back at safety last year didn't play safety at all really played mainly nickel a position that he wasn't quite used to so it's really good to get him back in his traditional role I think that's going to help the defense a lot Dericky I as as we know on this pod, I'm a Dericky Wright truther. D Rock is my guy. May the number switch to number two. I think he's going to look so much faster and so much better in the number two. We love going from 43 to two. Speeding, do- this, yes, yes, yes. If, if this is a Madden rating, he's getting it. He's getting a plus ten in the speed rating for switching over to the number two. Um, I love him. Absolute thumper. And I think too, I agree with you. We'll start with Dericky, or at least I'll start with Dericky. Um, no, he's not that traditional safety, but I think this is just a, a, a classic case of getting your best players on the field. And Dericky Wright is one of the best players on the defense, period. So does he fit in that traditional role? Probably not, but just getting that guy on the field improves the defense. Um, Jalen Mahoney, I also think somebody that, along with Davion Davis, somebody I don't think we really talk about a ton coming back, decided to forego the draft, came back to Vanderbilt uses last year. He's somebody that Vanderbilt desperately needed, desperately, desperately needed to come back out of Vanderbilt. I think he's going to have a wonderful season. Um, it's great to, between him and Dericky, have some experience back there because for the rest of the secondary, I mean, there is experience, but it's it's not great. It's it's bleak. And Dariki Wright did lead this team in interceptions and passes defense last year. Had three picks last season and seven passes defense. So even though he doesn't fit that traditional world, did a pretty solid job uh, overall. But he has to improve this year, especially mm-hmm. with what Vanderbilt has at corner. And now we get to, Trevor, the undeniably weakest spot on this entire roster. Yep. And that's cornerback. Yeah, the transfer of Jedi Richards, who is probably going to be a starter uh, this upcoming year, transfer to LSU. Oh, Miami. Oh, Miami. I'm dumb. Uh, <laughs> you lose Jeremy Lucian. Wasn't great, but you lose him at the cornerback position. That was a starter there. But in numerical order, it's not pretty. But starting at the top, Tyson Russell, number eight, junior Martel Height, freshman, number twenty five. B.J. Anderson, number 26, a senior. Trudell Berry, a sophomore, number 30. Quantavis Gumbo Gaskins, number 34, a sophomore. Alan Taco Wright, a junior, number 36. Jamison Wharton, 
number 39, a sophomore, and Mustafa Dennett, sophomore, number 46. Wow. Not good. Wow. Very bad. Early reports are the assumption was that B.J. Anderson and Tyson Russell would be the guys starting at the two cornerback spots. That was kind of the assumption. Early reports from fall camp, we're not there, so all of this is secondhand. Take it with a grain of salt. It hasn't been great for Tyson Russell or B.J. Anderson. In fact, right now, kind of projected in these depth charts, a lot of rumors swirling are Martel Height, the true freshman, and Trudell Berry are right now slotted in at those starting cornerback positions. I think that is a recipe for disaster, having a redshirt freshman in Trudell Berry and a true freshman at six foot 170 in Martell Height. I cannot imagine that is going to go great for a Vanderbilt pass defense that ranked number 128 in the country last year and did absolutely nothing to improve that position no. during the offseason. Didn't do anything to improve it. Actually went a couple steps backwards. At, yeah, probably got worse with the loss of Richard. Um, and I mean, we're 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 a we're a pro Clark Lee pod. You will not hear a lot of negative things about Clark Lee from our mouths, but I mean, they just missed the mark of this offseason whenever it came to getting the secondary better. Um, you lost Richard. That is a huge loss. He was probably not probably he was going to start this year at the boundary position. Um and then you try and you go in and you get that Nazir kid who looked like a great pickup, but then what, like 16 minutes later leaves to Wisconsin and you just don't pick up anybody. So this every other position on the defense probably takes a step forward, except for defensive back. You take two steps back. Um, and what was already, as you said, a piss poor secondary with how college football is played you have to have a good secondary to be a good defense and there is no path i see to vanderbilt not being by far the worst secondary in the sec i hope i'm wrong but you're already seeing things happen that are a little bit concerning i know it's not freak out time from this and i know this could just be a, a log jammed receiver room but davion walker recruited in as a wide receiver, has transferred positions to cornerback. Yep. That's not a good sign to me in fall camp if you're moving a freshman receiver to cornerback and just praying to God he can make some contribution. Also, Jacob Rowland has not played a snap of college football. <laughs> a, track, a track star at Oklahoma State has transferred to Vanderbilt as well, potentially, to play cornerback. So, bleak, 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 bleak is the outlook for the Commodore secondary. Yeah, and so here's and so I'll give a little bit of a spin take on Davion Walker. My take is he was he was sort of buried in the depth chart with wide receivers. Um probably was not going to see a ton of snaps at wide receiver this year. If you're Clark Lee, if you're this defense if you're Nick Howell, probably is the smart move to maybe find a position that maybe he's not better suited at, but that he can at least see the field. Um, if you follow any of the interviews uh, that the coaching staff does post-practice for fall camp, um, 
they basically said this is a case of just trying to find spots for your best players, get your best players on the field, no matter the position. He did play cornerback in high school, so this isn't totally new to him. He's still young. A lot of that muscle memory is still probably there. I think moving him now while he's still young, as opposed to doing this a year or two down the line, probably a good thing. That the Davion Walker thing doesn't really concern me. The but the second the defensive backs concern the hell out of me. Um, because you talk about depth. Is there depth a little bit, but is it unproven? It's nothing but unproven with Trudell Berry um and Martel Height. Kids who Vanderbilt fans had and this coaching staff has crazy high expectations for. I really do hope that we that we see them play majority of the snaps, but geez, going out and throwing out young kids like that, especially too, whenever Clark Lee made the made the statement. So football, everybody says traditionally is won and lost in the trenches. Clark Lee came out and said football nowadays is won and lost on the boundary, and the boundary is by far and away Vanderbilt's weakest position, and it's not even close. Now, the spin zone I would take is maybe a little bit different, is the secondary probably in our brains, based on the roster, did not improve, probably took some steps back. However, there are not really very many more steps back to take. This secondary, <laughs> truly, there were only three teams that were worse statistically in pass coverage during the 2022 season than Vanderbilt. So you have some returning experience in B.J. Anderson and Tyson Russell. Those guys being beat out by younger guys, or at least in competition with younger guys in Trudell Berry and Martell Height, the only spin zone I have is that could be a positive thing from these experienced returning guys. Just suck. And there's no other way to spin it. Vanderbilt's secondary was horrendous last year. They were awful. They were the yeah. worst secondary in the SEC, the worst in Power 5 football. They were awful. Now, that's the positive spin zone. The other side of this is we read off the list of quarterbacks that Vanderbilt faced last season. The quarterback slate is quite a bit easier this year. And especially the first four games of this season should give this Vanderbilt defense time to find the guys at least that are the best to be on the field once SEC play hits. You don't have Sam Hartman in week three for Wake Forest. You just don't. No. So the first four weeks, you're probably not facing elite-level quarterbacks. It should give them time to figure this out. That being said, I don't know if there are answers to this question. I, I just think secondary is going to have to be covered up by the fact that this pass rush has to improve. Yeah. This pass rush has to be elite to cover up for the fact that the guys just aren't there at cornerback. The safeties can do what they can do. Mahoney, Dericky Wright, Marlon Sewell, I think there are higher expectations for them this year. The expectations at cornerback are just survive. Yeah. Just especially if you have a true freshman in Martell Height playing extended snaps at the boundary. At the boundary, that's dangerous yeah. to have a guy out there at, at that size. So I don't have a lot of positive spins, but that is that's about as positive as I can spin it. And it's really a it, it's about the only negative storyline that you can have about Barton Simmons and Clark Lee so far during his tenure is that secondary has not improved from year one to now 
at all. If anything, it's gotten worse. Yeah. And I think, too, whenever we talk about the defense as a whole, the, the big thing for this defense this year, I think, is going to be that pass rush. Because if you do not get a pass rush this season, then that secondary is not just toast. I, I mean, they're fried. The, the secondary is absolutely done for if you cannot wreak havoc in the backfield, make the quarterback uncomfortable, get sacks. Listen, I mean, it just it is what it is. Vanderbilt is not going to get coverage sacks this year. If Vanderbilt gets any coverage sacks this year, I might die and ascend to heaven to be with my good Lord because I, I don't know if it's going to happen, but they might get some incompletions and some bad passes that are caused by the defensive line, by those linebackers getting pressure by them making that quarterback uncomfortable in that backfield. That is a possibility, but if they don't, then the secondary is only going to look worse. They're going to look bad with a good pass rush. They're going to look bad with a good pass rush. With a bad pass rush, it might be historically bad. This is a Vanderbilt fan podcast, so we we always try to look at things in a positive light. But we always try to be very honest and say these are the things that are going to be an issue and a concern going into the season. When we broke down the offense, we said tight end. The tight end position is going to raise its ugly head throughout the year that they just don't have the bodies. They just don't have the talent, that position. Running back is unproven. On the defensive side of the ball, they don't have the guys. They don't have the bodies. They don't have the talent at corner. Jedi Richards was a huge piece to lose to the transfer portal. That was yeah. a name and a guy that you just could not lose, but there is one, a couple more positions we need to get to the returners. You oh God. Kick I totally returner and punt returner. Probably we're going to be seeing the same guys at those spots. You're probably going to be seeing Jaden McGowan returning kicks for what that's worth in modern college football. Mm-hmm. And then probably will Shepard. I hate that returning punts. I hate, I that. don't like that at all. However, I also don't like guys fumbling punts so if he's the most sure-handed guy just fair catch every single one of them will and do not return a punt I absolutely hate having your best offensive player returning punts but he seems to be the only sure-handed option that they have maybe eventually junior Sherrill freshman can come in and start returning Martell height maybe You've seen him with some backups but it's just going to be who this coaching staff and Clark Lee feels like they can trust to not fumble punt returns yeah that's the big thing it's not fumbling the punt i totally agree but just having your star guy back there to catch punts a a very dangerous position a position that gets hurt a lot just scares the hell out of me i mean i like you said dude i don't care if you put vanderbilt in a in bad field position just fair catch it i don't want him getting hit every time i see him return a punt this year i'm I'm going to just look away because it's going to scare me too much. And it's weird. Vanderbilt actually has kind of a tradition of pretty solid punt returns. Mm-hmm. I mean, for a while you had Earl Bennett, of course, which is which was your superstar wide receiver returning punts. He was phenomenal at it. You had DJ Moore, phenomenal at it. And then recent years, you have not had a lot of punt returning success. You had Darius Sims, who was a great kickoff returner. Great on kickoff. He did not return punts. So that could be something maybe if any of these guys can develop that are younger, having a dynamic punt returner would be a hell of an addition. I think we're going to see Will Shepard trot out there. 
Yeah, I mean, I know we're going to see Will Shepard try out there. It's, I mean, it's biblical at this point the way it's it's going to happen. But please, it's, it scares the hell out of me. Does it? Maybe Will Shepard returning punts maybe scares me more than the secondary. <laughs> That's not a joke. You giggled. I'm not. You. I'm not joking. That really scares me. I don't love it, but I also feel very confident that he's going to catch the punts. I just don't want him getting hit. Like if he returns it, dude, I'm going to vomit everywhere. Every time I see him take it back, I'm I'm just gonna projectile puke all over whoever's in front of me. So if you're in section 43 F or row 43 section F this year, just, just get away from me whenever Will Shepard returns the punt because I'm gonna puke all down your neck. Stay away from Trevor. Don't let him puke on you. I'm going to run through these positions again and just list off the main guys that are competing for those starting spots, and you should see in the rotation pretty heavily. So at kicker, you got Jacob Bursilla uh, competing with Brock Taylor. At punter, you have Matt Hayball, long snapper Wesley Schelling. Uh, at nose tackle, Devin Lee and Wataha. Watara? Wataha. Wataha, there we go. Wataha uh, alongside Devin Lee. At three tech, you have Nate Clifton, Davion Davis, Christian James, Braden Baps, Bradley Mann, defensive end Darren Agu, and Bradley Mann, maybe a little bit of Linus Zunk. At linebacker, you have Ethan Barr, Prince Colley, Langston Patterson, Kane Patterson. Uh, at anchor, you have CJ Taylor and Jeffrey Hugo. At corner, you have BJ Anderson, Tyson Russell, Trudell Berry and Martel Height most likely taking a majority of those snaps. And then at punt returner, you've got Jaden McGowan. No, at punt returner, you've got Will Shepard. At kick returner, you've got Jaden McGowan. So that runs through the defense and special teams. I know we had a few questions from Twitter and Mm -hmm. Instagram. We want to get to those before we close this out. So is there anything that we didn't get to, Trevor, during the defensive roster preview that was asked across social media? I don't have any more questions, but I do just want to reiterate this secondary scares the hell out of me. Reiterating the secondary is going to be a problem. But not not like a good problem. Not like a good whenever problem. you look at a guy, you're like, oh yeah, he's gonna be a problem. Yeah, not like like that. a problem in the traditional sense of, oh, like Houston, we have a problem. There are times that I think Vanderbilt media is afraid to call a spade a spade the same way that other SEC programs fan bases do. And just because of the lack of general success, so fans just are conditioned to not call out, hey, that's kind of shitty. The secondary this year is not kind of shitty. It's a dumpster fire. And the fact that this staff did nothing to improve it this offseason is a little bit concerning. And there's no doubt that is going to lose Vanderbilt football games this season and probably be what prevents them if they are prevented from making it to a bowl game, the secondary is going to be the culprit. I think that's a fair assessment. I think that's a very fair assessment. So that's pretty much it for the defensive and special teams breakdown. I don't think there's any anything else to get to. If you do have any questions, concerns, or comments about anything that we said, if you think we missed anything, please respond to us. Tweet at us at the door report on Twitter. Uh, well, X now. It's not even called Twitter anymore. You can zeet at us. It's always Twitter to me. It's always Twitter to me. It'll never change. But once again, episode. Oh, do we still got Twitter questions? We do have Twitter questions. We didn't even pull them up. We got Twitter. We got Twitter and Instagram questions. Where are they at? 
We might have to do a separate little thing of these. Oh, no, we're good. See, you got it pulled up. Okay. This Just, is TDR Justin difference. Kemp at AZ asks, do you think the defense can get pressure the way they got towards the end of last year? It felt so good to finally get pressure on the QB. And his second kind of follow-up is, who is your pick to lead the team in sacks? So question number one was, do we think the pass rush is going to improve? Yes, I think I think they are. I don't know that they are, but I think they are. I think you have a lot more talent, a lot more depth across that defensive line. I think moving Darren Agu back to defensive end as opposed to that star position or anchor position. Star, 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 star position is the star position. Jeez. Uh, like I said, boys, it is. And ladies, for those of you that do listen, it's 9-10. Yeah, the 3%. Shout out to the ladies at TDR. Y'all make this podcast go. But, um, yeah, I think moving him back is, is a huge addition to this defensive line. I think they're finally healthy. Um, now, who do I think gets the most sacks? Just from a logical sense, it's got to be Darren Agu, right? I would say Darren Agu is my guess to lead the team in sacks. I think that's kind of the obvious answer there. I mean, it's kind of like asking if the defense as a whole is expected to improve. It's kind of hard not to improve. You you truly have been the worst defense in Power 5 football pretty much across the board. Yeah. In sacks, in points per game, in pass defense. So I think it has to improve. They had one and a half per game last year, 0.8 per game the previous year. I would expect to see that number at two. It is my expectation. It's really? Two sacks per game. I think that the secondary could prevent that from being as large of an improvement. But I think the defi- as much as we talk about the secondary taking a couple steps back, I think this front six, front seven is going to take two, three steps forward. I think it's a fair assessment. Yeah, that's probably where I stand as well, to be as, honest. As negative as I am about this unproven secondary, I'm that positive about this unproven front six, front seven. Well, I'll ask you this then before we get to the question. Just just a, a quick question. If the de- if the defensive front takes a couple steps forward, but the secondary takes a couple steps back, does defense is that a wash and the defense as a whole is the same? I think this team will be better than number 125 in the country in overall points per game. I think they're going <laughs> to give up less than 36 points per game. So I think if that's the definition of improving, then I would hope to God that they improve and they're not giving up almost 300 yards passing per game just because (laughs) of the schedule. But it's like asking if a dumpster fire is going to improve. Like, yeah, the only direction to go is up because truly the defense has been an embarrassment the last two seasons. Yeah. So, and there's been no sign of improvement. Is a dumpster fire better than a burning building? Yes, but it's still a dumpster fire. Still a dumpster fire. But the offense was a lot more positive. The offensive preview was a lot more positive. I think the offense will take a huge step forward and be able to outscore teams. Can they outscore SEC teams? That's the question. Yeah, I don't know. Getting on to some more questions here. This isn't really much of a question, but hashtag fly the V at VU Phenom says worst pass defense in the country last year, and we did and we do nothing to improve it. Ask the same guys to run it back. Doesn't make sense. Can't count on freshmen to lock down SEC receivers. Wasn't uh, much of a question, but I agree with. But that. yeah, I mean, I think I think we're right on board with you, brother. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I, I think, agree uh, wholeheartedly. Yeah, head meet nail. Yep. And then we have another very similar question from Dylan Moss at Dylan M17. He says, "Our secondary got killed last year. 
Do y'all see them improving this year? No. And what's your thoughts on uh, Jacob Rowland joining our secondary? He has some serious speed. I don't think he's going to do anything. I don't think you're going to see him uh, at all. Could be wrong. Hope I'm wrong. But if you do see him, that's It'll a be sign. special teams. If you if you see him, that's not a good sign. Yes, I agree. If you see Jacob Rowland, who has not played a snap of college football, and he's four years removed from playing high school football, if you see him on the field on defense, that's a really bad sign. Yes. And no, I don't think the secondary is going to improve. I think they're going to give up almost 300 yards per game again. On to Joseph West, day one listener, tier one listener at Joseph West 21. He asked, while having a lot of unproven talent on the D-line, I would like to think we are really deep at the position. I would say the same about our linebackers. Is this the best linebacker and D-line crew we have had together? I know they haven't played a game, but preseason thoughts. How are y'all feeling? I mean, we addressed that a little bit in the pod. I think the I think the front side of the defense is is really something that Vanderbilt fans can be excited about. Um, as we said earlier, best in a long time. Maybe on and I'll preface by saying on paper, yeah, probably the best in five years. Would you say? It's not a lot of great yeah great that i mean that dates. 20 yeah you're 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 basically looking you're like okay are they better than 2022 are they better than 2021 and are they better than the historically bad 2020 <laughs> defense yeah. yeah they are yeah i mean it's going to be the best front seven you've seen in the last five years but that's also because the front five sevens are front seven been bad been horrible like so that's the difference you know we're trying to be as cautiously optimistic as possible Yes, the defensive line is going to be improved dramatically. That doesn't mean they're going to be dominant. I think that's yeah. a clear distinction is like the expectations of me, at least, are this defensive line is going to look so much improved, so much better. There's still going to be bottom three or four defensive lines and front sevens in the SEC because it's the SEC. So at the same time, be optimistic, have expectations. But it's not going to turn around from being the number 96 running defense in the country, averaging one and a half sacks per game, number 115 in the country, to all of a sudden being a top 25 front seven. That That's just not going to happen yeah. after losing your most talented guy in orgy to the NFL. I mean, I totally agree. I, I think they're going to take a huge step forward, but a huge step forward from what they were at to, I mean, like you said, there's really nowhere else to go but up. I don't want to piss on... I don't want to piss in the Cheerios. That's not what I'm trying to do. I, yeah. I'm, tra I'm trying to be positive because it is going to be better. Yes. But what does better mean? I think it's the bigger That's a question. fair point. That's a fair point. So last one on Twitter we'll get to from an account that I'm sure is a real person in Stuart Hinkleton. He said, what are the chances Gage Pritchford wins the Heisman? <laughs> I didn't see that. I think that better than... Right now, Ray Davis, you can bet on Ray Davis to win the Heisman at 50,000 to one odds. I I'm think taking, I, I'm taking Gage, I'm baby. taking Gage, baby. That's what I'm taking. Ray Davis, if you're listening, you're a bum. Ray Davis, you're short. All right. And hey, hey, Ray, I got into Vandy grad school. You didn't. <laughs> Where, there was one question on Instagram yes, I'm trying to find. The, there it is. You, yes. 
No, oh, that's Twitter. That's... Is he? <laughs> Where is it? It's, I it's can't at the find it. it's at the GC with you, me, Scott. Oh, it's you, me, and Scott. Yeah, right there. Oh, there it is. <laughs> okay, this is from Instagram George Barclay. Said, I've got a question for you guys for tonight's pod. Who are Vandy's best cover linebackers? I know there's been lots of talk about corner, but cover linebackers are incredibly important these days with receiving backs and tight ends more prevalent than ever in the SEC. Great question. That's a very good question. It's not Ethan Barr. Uh, I think Kane Patterson is going to surprise people with his ability to be kind of that hybrid modern linebacker. I, I think Kane Patterson is going to play a huge role and I would say he's probably the best cover linebacker that they have because I'm not putting C.J. Taylor in the linebacker role. I oh, kinda, see, I, I am. I see that anchor more as like a hybrid safety. I see. I think I of it more of a linebacker than I do a safety, to be okay. honest. So obviously that's C.J. Taylor. Yeah, I'm going to take C.J. Taylor. Him. But if we're including just traditional linebackers, I think that's Kane Patterson. I, I think he has yeah. the ability to cover tight ends and running backs out of the backfield and cover sideline to sideline. That was his, his issue coming out was he was a little undersized. Yeah. And so that's kind of the opposite of Ethan Barr, who's a beefy traditional linebacker. Ethan Barr would have been a superstar 20 years ago. Yeah. 25 years ago before the evolution of Of linebackers. Yeah. Change. So I think Kane Patterson, but, if we're including that uh, anchor position, then of course CJ Taylor. Yeah, I'm going to include the anchor with CJ, someone who interests me a lot, and we haven't we we haven't seen a ton of him. Um, Langston Patterson intrigues me a lot. I think I have very high expectations for him. With that being said, you can't say he's the best because you haven't really seen him, but he's somebody that really intrigues me. Of course, we don't really know with Prince Collie. Um, I will say I'm going to lump CJ into that linebacker group, and I'm going to say CJ. So you're lumping CJ. I'm going to go traditional linebacker and Kane, but of course CJ if we're lumping him in. That pretty much hits on all the questions. We had a few more, but they were pretty much very similar yeah. to those. We'd just be repeating the same questions. So thank you everyone for listening out there at episode 230 of The Door Report for myself, Will Byram, and my co-host Trevor Hoolan. Anchor down, grab a cold one, and let's ride. Go Dude, Doors. Go Doors, 17 days away, baby.